Look alive, all ya. I'm Retronomic, looking for new games that bring retro back from the dead. And this is Brain Dead, where we t- look at topics, theories, and brain dead ideas. And today we are doing a brain dead theory. Take that for what you will, since it is a theory, it might be a brain dead one. Uh, <laughs> um, of Fran Bow. A quick disclaimer the theory uh, deals with mental illness and all that, and it doesn't, it's towards the game itself. I know that mental illness doesn't work with what I'm going to be going into. Um, It's not actually like you can choose to have mental illness or not. That's not what I'm going to be going for in the theory in the the first place. But uh, it might come off that way. I don't want people to think that. Um, But also, yeah, actual mental illness is a very serious thing. It's, It's not something easily dealt with. And I don't mean as somebody on the outside looking in. I mean with the person themselves, they have a hard time. You know, uh, as well as with that uh, person looking outside in as well. In fact, um, it's not exactly just, you know, oh, well, why don't they just act this way or stop thinking that? It's like, no, it's not that simple, you know. And while I am going to sort of walk that line with this theory, it's nothing like that. I know that. And I'm just doing this pertaining to the game and as well as the way I'm putting it is not that they're trying to fight mental illness to have it or not, it's that whether they're gonna continue treatment or not. So, let's get into the theory. Spoiler warning, this is gonna spoil everything. I'm gonna be spoiling it outright from the beginning. So yeah, because the truth is what the theory came about from was how the ending itself, it's going from this, which is that uh, there's this old man who's running experiments and on his patients and uh, working with your aunt and all that and you know the whole fabric of reality starts falling apart and that turns out you might have even killed your parents and then you get shot to death you know and then it goes to that which is that everything gets really you know just tied up in a neat little bow no pun intended uh, well, maybe it was intended because I meant to say it that way. And uh, yeah, it's just, it just seemed off to me. It felt rushed. So that's sort of what sort of made me start thinking about this theory and how things are going on. And the theory is that it all takes place in her mind. And no, I know there's dream theory and everybody hates dream theory, or at least most people do. Um, but it's not necessarily that it's a dream it's just that it's something going on in her subconscious mind while her conscious mind is doing her own thing so first off i want to say that i started uh, some research uh, not a lot of research just a little bit of research going into like uh because i heard another theory about that it takes during uh, it takes place during world war ii and it does make sense because it does take place uh around that time i'll say that um as well as uh, the history that I looked into, it says that during, uh, I believe, Prussia, um, with a P, Prussia, uh, there was stuff going on with mental illness at that time. Like, uh, so before Germany started invading Prussia, um, families with mental, mentally ill family members uh, would get a certain amount of money um, from the government. Uh, what it was used for, I don't know. They didn't go into that or how much it was. They didn't go into that. Obviously, it would be different for every family anyways. But it might have been used for medication. It might have just been cost of living. I don't know. Um, but yeah, they would be given a certain amount of money every month. I believe it was a month. And uh, 
yeah, they uh, eventually, because of Germany invading, they stopped doing that, you know? So it was a lot harder for people to take care of their family members. So a lot of family members started getting into mental institutions because it was hard for the family to be able to do that, not to mention during a time of war, you know, and invasion. There's actually a picture of her before being admitted into a mental institution of her and her family that you find during the gameplay of being in the mental institution. And uh, it shows her mother and father and her, as well as, you know, Mr. Midnight and her aunt. The only one smiling is her aunt. I mean, obviously, Mr. Midnight's a cat. Um, but, you know, Fran Bo, she's not smiling. Um, the mother and father look like they are going through hard times at the moment. You know, they don't look happy to be there for this picture. Um, the only one who seems to be happy is the aunt. I don't think Fran Bo was smiling. She might have been. But I think that sort of tells what was going on during that time that they were trying to take care of her, but they couldn't handle it, added to what was happening outside of the home, you know, being this invasion of Germany and all that. But it is something that took place around that time. I believe when we start playing, it's 1947. And that's basically after it ended, um, the war ended. And that's actually, you know, even then, there's still the aftermath of war, you know. Um, but actually during that time of the war, there was actually parts where um, mental illness institutions were being uh, like evacuated. So the uh, Nazi troops would have a place to stay when they're injured. And st I hate saying troops for <laughs> that. Uh, when I associate the word troops, it's with, you know, American troops. But yeah, somehow it, it just sounds strange saying that towards Nazis. Uh, gosh. But yeah, yeah. Uh, so they would have a place to heal and stuff like that, injured uh, soldiers. And so that was something that was going on, even though that has nothing to do with this. Um, but they also even uh, would, something that might pertain to this is that they would even, uh, you know, set them out into the world, people with mental illness, or they would actually kill them off, euthanize, uh, euthanize them, because they thought, you know, in their stupid racism, of course, that, you know, that uh, it would take it out of the bloodline, mental illness, that somehow it has to do with that. I mean, there's many factors to mental illness. So to think that, you know, killing off people with mental illness will make it so uh, people who, you know, uh, progress from there won't have any, that's just the stupidest thing I've ever heard, you know? But I mean, they were doing the same thing with Jewish people too, it's terrible. So I believe that it's that they weren't even killed, that that's memory that she has is a fabrication that they are actually somewhat dead to her because she feels abandoned by them. So she came up with this, you know, idea of what really happened in her mind, you know, but it's not really what happened. And, you know, they just didn't visit her. They had to let her go because maybe it was just really harsh times um, because it's hard to take care of her as well as taking care of themselves as well as trying to deal with, uh, you know, an invading Germany. Um, but more than that, it could have been that they actually were uh, taken by the Nazis. And that's why they never came to visit her or, or you know, had to let her go. You know, this uh, place in her mind, which I believe is the entire game except for one part, um, including her memory of her parents dying, as well as the mental hospital that she's in that you start out in, 
I believe all that's fabricated in her mind. It's all her subconscious trying to come to terms, sort of like a dream, um, as if like the subconscious is working things out in a dreamlike type of place. But in reality, it's that she's just sitting in a room doing her own thing while her her thoughts, her subconscious is thinking about all this stuff, you know? So maybe it's more like a representation of what her subconscious is trying to work out, you know? So moving on from that, uh, <laughs> something else I noticed is that her, you know, her parents were chopped up, you know, fully, like, I think her mother was chopped in half and an arm was cut off, a head's cut off. That's not something easy to do. You know, it, it's like, especially with a butcher knife, you know, you need a lot of strength to be able to do that. And when it says in the end that she might have been the one to do it, it could be a representation of that she feels guilty for sort of thinking of them as dead, for having this memory, you know, because she created that memory. So therefore, she's the one who murdered them in her mind sort of thing. But in actuality, they aren't they never were murdered. You know, if she were to do that, having a butcher knife is not easy to do something like that. I would know. I've done it a million times. No, I'm joking, of course. Uh, but no, I mean, she, as a child, not to mention as an adult, you know, it's not something you can just do willy-nilly. I can't believe I just said willy-nilly. Uh, but uh, especially with a butcher knife. Not a butcher knife, a kitchen knife. Just a regular old kitchen knife. Chopping someone in half? That's no way. Uh, added to that is just, you know, she's a little girl. How is she supposed to be able to do that? Now, when she takes those red pills, she sees a lot of horrific stuff, not to mention that memory she came up with. That could be that she came up with this or sees that stuff when she takes the red pill, this horrific stuff, because that maybe she saw horrific things from that, or maybe just the horrors of war itself, that maybe she came across those things. Um, as well as the fact that she has no uh, reaction to any of those things. It's sort of like like she treats it almost like it's normal. That, you know, uh, there's like a teddy bear that's been gutted crawling across the floor, you know, or horrific, you know, monstrous things are going on. She doesn't always, at least, seem like she's scared. In fact, most of the time, she doesn't seem scared of it or horrified by it. She just seems like as if she doesn't understand what's going on there. And that could be just, you know, the innocence of being a child and seeing horrific things like, like I said, that you know, euthanization of mentally ill people or, of course, just the horrors of that were going on during that time, you know. And to see that as a child, you maybe can't quite process that um, because of something, some outside influence that caused her to see these things. To show that this is something going on in her mind, is that there's a certain point where you have to get through a gate and there's a nurse there and you have to actually take a pill and then suddenly that door is open and you can just go right through that door and then suddenly you're in the next room and it's like well that's not how reality works if she takes a pill and suddenly you know she's hallucinating something like that she wouldn't be able to go through that gate it's still closed it's still locked the if if she even had to get a key for it the nurse would still see her so yeah it doesn't make sense in that respect and so I would think that this is something that is taking place in her mind because she's literally hopping between worlds itself in the real world after she escapes the mental hospital 
She sees a giant ant that's playing guitar and stuff. She sees this pinecone family in a tree. And it's like, obviously, if this were in the real world, not even taking the pills, then she wouldn't be seeing that stuff. Or, of course, she would if she wasn't taking her medication sort of thing. And she has something along the lines of schizophrenia. So, and don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to say I know all about mental illness or something. I've never taken any classes or anything like that. Um, I'm just trying to interpret it as, you know, what makes sense and what doesn't in our reality. Uh, So, yeah, this, I believe, is her reality, something that she came up with in her mind, and she's going through this sort of journey. And uh, then, of course, eventually you get to this house with two twins, that are conjoined and all that and it's I think that itself is her sort of fighting with herself you know because not only are they after her fighting her but also they fight with each other they bicker and all that so it's like they're she's sort of fighting with herself on whether to continue trying to get help and treatment take pills that she sees as something evil and just to stop taking them delve deeper into this delusion she has and all that you know so it seems like that's sort of where she's going with it with that part where like uh the twins are just a representation of this feud she's having with herself on whether to keep being treated or not then there's that the twins house is actually in the middle of an ocean you know so she feels like she's on this journey alone and then uh moving on from there is zathura i think the place is called i could be wrong I don't quite remember what it's called, but she's a log, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, So yeah, the log part, the whole world of that, the luck dragon basically is what he is. Uh, Pontus, Ponturus, I don't remember his name, but yeah, uh, he's basically a luck dragon from uh, Never Ending Story. (laughs) That might be too old a reference, I don't know. And she starts out as a log, so it's like the first time she's been in this world where she feels safe she feels happy and it's this fantasy world that she's created in her mind and so she's sort of like a fish out of water uh kind of intended pun but uh yeah because she's gotten from this place in the middle of the ocean and now she's in this sort of vibrant world and she doesn't you know have any footing yet and eventually she starts getting into it and that's when she becomes a, a wooden sort of person which itself i mean she's a wooden girl which kind of works with a wooden boy like you know uh it's all a lie because pinocchio was always a liar and he's a wooden boy she gets to that place and that's sort of what i believe to be her um her ideal world like what she wants to live in the imagination you know of a child that goes into all these great fanciful things stuff that she might have heard in storybooks and things like that and so she's created this entire place that she wants to be in she wants to live in and she can be whatever she wants to be there and added to that there's her best friend in in reality she had that cat mr midnight and that's why he's sort of the guiding force for her because she feels like that's her only friend really and mr midnight just being a cat actually would be that you know it's he doesn't judge her in any way and he wouldn't be an enemy because he didn't stop visiting her because he just decided not to it's a cat you know so she believes that he would still come to see her and that's exactly what happens inside of her mind the luck dragon you know who's basically her 
antithesis of fantasy come to life. Well, it word could be something from just Halloween's past, and the Dr. Dern, Dern uh, comes to help her, and that's the only one that's actually really been reaching out to her, reaching her at all, you know, uh, with uh, trying to get better. I mean, he's trying to get her to be able to be an uh, independent person with mental illness. You know, it seems like that to me, at least. So that's why he suddenly shows up again. You know, magically, suddenly he happens to be there as she's getting closer to her home. Uh, Dr. Dern seems to have this, uh, you know, connection with her. And while everyone else seems to be the exact opposite, you know, they're all, you know, the bad people sort of thing. And maybe it's not that they were bad in reality. Um, but yeah, the nurses, they all seem to be uncaring. The lunch lady even seems to be a, a bit scathing, you know, so maybe it's that they were in reality just uncaring about her and just trying to do their job and saw her as a paycheck or, you know, something to deal with to do their job. Um, but then again, maybe they were mean to her. I don't know. Uh, it doesn't go into that because this whole idea is based that the entire game is, uh, based in her mind. And uh, I don't believe it that's all, though. I believe that there is actually, you know, some semblance of reality to it. So the people that are working there could be people that actually work there, you know, such as the doctor himself, as well as the nurses and the lunch lady, um, the security guard, the creep security guard as well. I mean, uh, I, I don't know about that part in reality, but there may be some trauma there actually, too. Um, so I'm not sure, but it certainly seems like he's definitely a creep to her in her mind. So there may be some creepiness outside in, of her mind in reality. And with the Dr. Dern, um, she does go to this uh, graveyard and sees her, her mother and father dead inside of a grave as well as the cat. And it seems like she's trying to come to terms with this memory she's created, you know? that they are dead and gone. They're, they've moved on from her. And I don't believe that they're actually dead and gone, it's that they actually just have moved on. They're, they're living their lives, including her cat, because she knows in reality that she doesn't have her cat with her. If you notice, none of the bodies are tore up or, or chopped up or anything like that. They don't look like they were put back together. They look like they were just dead. So that sort of says that, yeah, she sort of fabricated that itself. But of course, if that's where reality is, then the door in her bedroom wouldn't have disappeared. And added to that, the aunt suddenly turns on her now. So now I believe that it's that the aunt herself stopped visiting her in real life. And she just couldn't keep up with visiting her. Now she's become the bad guy. And that's what she herself, uh, Fran Beau, has made her. Because, you know, it's all in her mind. So it seems like when she's in her house, that reality is starting to fall apart and if you notice that's when she's tied up to the bed in her house she turns suddenly to this other area where she's in the mental hospital meeting herself and in her closet is that dress that she's constantly wearing even though you know in reality you know you'd change clothes multiple times and or at least they'd get dirty or, or ripped or something like that with all that she's been going through and of course the other one of herself is actually dressed in completely different clothes, but she does mention, as you play her, um, that, you know, that's her favorite dress, 
you know, she thinks it's really pretty. Then you see the drawings, which of course is something that a kid would do with their uh, imaginary friends. And you of course find a picture of Alice in Wonderland that seems to be her best friend. So there is this idea of like the whole dream thing, you know, of how she, Alice, uh, dreamt up this whole world and then wakes up in the end. Well, it seems like they're sort of hinting at the fact that this is not reality. In fact, that's the only point, I believe, where there is reality. That it's the subconscious mind meeting the conscious mind. That it's... That the real Fran Beau is her. The one dressed up in this princess sort of outfit. Plain dress up and all that. And she's actually, you know, talking with Fran Beau, the one you play most of the time, in that yellow dress. And she's inside of a mental hospital inside of this room and that's what's really going on that's the real world the only time you actually see the real world is during that time and you see this picture of Alice in Wonderland you see the dress you see drawings and pictures and then of course there's the whole idea of these other worlds being somewhat to do with like lucid dreaming and soul travel you know so I don't believe this is a dream per se but it's sort of like I feel like that's hinting at the whole idea of it being not real because Alice in Wonderland that was all a dream there's all this talk of these uh, alternate worlds and these beings of light and dark and you know there's that clear-cut line she's trying to draw with the idea of dark beings and light beings good and evil there's no in-between when in actuality you know there is obviously with all people they have times of doing nice things, they have times of getting angry, and she feels like there is no middle, there's no gray area, there's only light and dark, there's only good or bad, you know, and that's not the case. Um, but also just that, you know, it takes place with all these different worlds through traveling, through soul travel type of thing, and lucid dreaming, and it does seem like they're sort of going down that route. She's actually meeting herself in this mental hospital room, and she's talking with her, you know, wide awake, just having a fun time at first and then noticing her on the bed. Um, so yeah, of course, that's her actually meeting herself. And then she even unties Franbo, uh, the subconscious Franbo, um, to help her along her journey again. You know, it's like as if there was some kind of intermission of the journey, you know, this break from what's going on and what she's trying to do so they could talk and let her know, you know, this is what I'm doing and I don't know what I want to do from here. Then finally she comes to this point where she's in her house on this rock island in the middle of the sky, you know, in this sort of reddish, hellish looking type of place where she has to deal with like a skull puzzle and like, you know, uh, different odd and twisted looking pictures and things like that. And it seems like that actually has to do with just uh, coming to a close. She's nearing the end of her journey, you know, and it kind of, I think, has to do a little bit with uh, the idea of the Odyssey. There's all these uh, new horrifying creatures. There's eyeballs in the wall. There's, you know, everything doesn't make sense. So it's sort of like as if she's coming to a point where she's reached the deepest depths or something of her mind, or maybe that, you know, her uh, fragile, you know, uh, mindset is starting to come apart. You know, because everything starts to fall apart, you know, in reality. Moving on to the big monster himself, the uh, deer skull antlered guy, 
uh, it seems like he's showing up every time she starts trying to come to re some realization of reality or to cope with something or things like that. And it's like, that's as if it's trying to stop her from realizing that this is all in her head, you know, as well as the fact that he sort of shows her this realization at the end um, that it was her that caused this fabricated memory of them being dead and, and cut up and all that um, because she, I guess, hated them, it seems like, for abandoning her, as well as she feels like it's her fault that they abandoned her. So he's more of a representation of the, uh, you know, dissociation that she has. She's trying to pin it all on him, you know, this scapegoat almost. And it's almost like maybe that's why he looks like that. It could be a goat uh, skull. I'm not sure. It has antlers, so I think it's a deer skull. But yeah, uh, either way, yeah, she's uh, scapegoating with this creature, this monster. And it always seems to show up at the, like worst times just to mess with her head and, and get her to stop from, you know, actually getting to some kind of point of uh, realization. So she's found someone to put the blame on, the big bad guy, because she doesn't have this whole idea that, you know, you can uh, have bad thoughts and bad feelings about things or, you know, have sadness and happiness and things like that. So she she's created this ultimate bad guy. So now we come to the ending where she meets this, you know, out of nowhere. She hasn't shown up through the whole story until now is this old man who uh, I guess she might have seen. In fact, I do remember seeing at least a picture of him in the mental hospital. Um, this old man who seems to be the one pulling the strings behind it all, you know, and he's been experimenting on different people and causing all this stuff to happen, you know, so she's created this big bad person who's made it so all this stuff started, so she has someone to blame for that as well. There's the fact that her aunt actually is aligned with him because she stopped visiting, so that was her last lifeline to, you know, the life she used to live, and now she's with the bad big bad guy you know the main bad guy of the whole thing the antagonist that she's read about in storybooks and things like that in fairy tales so that's what i mean it seems like she's sort of creating all this and then of course at the end everything goes to crap dr dern it can't even help her anymore so she, it's like she's basically lost all hope of getting better and so she's decided to just let go of it stop trying to get better and just be happy and she gets shot by him and dies and it's like that representation of you know letting go of this past self letting go of this feud she's having her friends her imagination takes over and throws everybody away and it like i said this sort of super duper happy ending and they've brought her back to life they tell her that she's going to be you know, living in this world now and, and have so much to learn and all that. Mr. Midnight is even turned into a house cat. It's like her coming to terms with reality and then letting it go. That she's just going to live uh, the life of a child rather than trying to deal with all this mental illness stuff. That, you know, she's just going to let it, that run its course until she gets older. You know, I'm not saying that she's just going to flat out say no to treatment and all that just that she wants to live the life of a happy child and through all this trauma and all this guilt that she has and you know fear and all that that she just wants to have happiness 
So that's what she's going to do for now, at least. It doesn't go into, of course, when she's older, but yeah, it's just the fact that they have this super duper happy ending where everybody shows up that she loves, including Dr. Dern. And, you know, he's going to have his happy ending of just forgetting she ever was around and living his life and being happy and forget that all this turmoil and bad stuff happened that she put him through, really, because it's, his, it's her imagination of him. You know, it's, it's her uh, representation of him in her mind. And then, of course, you know, the best friend shows up, Itward. Uh, the house cat now is, you know, Mr. Midnight is just a house cat. Uh, the luck dragon <laughs> uh, is, is here to save her and saves her life. So, of course, all this is interpretation, but there is some clues of evidence, such as the uh, picture of Alice, the picture of her family, the time that it took place. Then there's another piece of evidence in the chapter names, such as the first chapter being called A Sober Day. That's, of course, where you're taking medications, you know, you're switching back and forth. And, you know, whenever you take your medication, you go into this terrible world, so it's a bad thing. But then, of course, you take your medication again and you go back to the normal world. Um, then, of course, the next chapter is uh, Curiosity Symptoms. So, like, you're basically questioning everything now, you know, you're, you're not sure of everything, so you're curious about it, you know, and curiosity killed the cat, you know, uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but it seems to make sense that, uh, um, you don't have Mr. Midnight the whole time, uh, so yeah, then there's, uh, double personality, not split personality, but double personality, so it's, you know, the part with the, uh, twins that are conjoined and it seems like that's her you know ba going back and forth with this conflicting personality or ideas I should say um, that she has with you know uh, reality and uh, her delusion then it goes to vegetative state which is basically these the fantasy world where you start as a log and become like a wooden person and all that stuff um, but basically it also could be interpreted as like uh, that you don't have any control over anything, you know? Uh, that's why you start out as a log, in fact, I believe. Um, but yeah, then there's imaginary friend, and that's when Itward shows up as if to show that, yeah, he is not real, this is an imagination. Um, and in turn would be that the whole world is an imagination. Then it's doctor's prescription, which is, you know, where you meet the doctor again, uh, Dr. Dern, and I mean, for one, I just wanted to say, <laughs> I don't think any, you know, doctor adult really would help you dig up the bodies of your parents, you know, in the first place, so that's a little nuts, which seems to entail that it's about, you know, being in the real world again, you know, seemingly at least, where, you know, you're with your doctor, you're in your hometown, you're where your house is, it's like as if the, uh, prescription is it telling you to come back to reality then of course the last chapter being a uh, house of madness where everything starts to unravel you know and then you ultimately come to this uh culmination of you know choosing what you want to do and again i do know that you know mental illness doesn't work this way it's not some sort of dream fantasy that's happening in the back of your mind it's actually something you deal with every day and I just 
think this is supposed to be an interpretation of what's actually happening, you know, of her trying to deal with having mental illness and being a child at the same time. So in conclusion, it's that the whole game, entire game, except for that one point where she meets herself, is taking place inside of her mind. And it's this journey she's going through to find some kind of answer to whether she should keep getting better or not, or or just trying to, you know, come to terms with what's happened in her life, you know? And I think that in the end, she actually just decided to stop trying to get better or worse just to find uh, just to be a kid she wasn't gonna keep trying to struggle with her mental illness at this point in her life she just wants to be a kid and that's what she's gonna do so yeah i believe that's what it is and uh you know there's a few theories on this i mean you could check them out on youtube i know pushing up roses has one uh there was that timeline one that i talked about that I don't remember who that was by. There's also another timeline one. Um, but there's quite a few different theories on it. And, you know, I just feel like this is my interpretation of it. You know, it's a fan theory. It's headcanon. Obviously, you don't have to, you know, adopt this as your theory. <laughs> I just feel like, you know, it's it's an interesting idea. And, you know, like with most theories, even if they haven't been proven or have been proven, I mean, to not be true or true, uh, they're still fun to think about. Like, uh, for instance, the length is dead theory in that uh, those are the five uh, stages of acceptance of death, you know, in, in uh, Majora's Mask. And, you know, I, I actually adopted that theory, even though it's just headcanon, because it's been proven by the developer uh, that it's not true. He says, no, Link did not die. But at the same time, They've moved around the uh, uh, timeline, so you could just fit that right in to the timeline of Link uh, dying to Ganondorf, where he loses. Um, so yeah, it could be that he died, and that's where Majora's Mask starts. But of course, it's been proven that it's not true, so it's just something fun to think about, you know? Then of course, there's the whole theory of Sans' Ness. Nobody liked that. I liked it. I thought it was fun. You know, I don't consider it to be true, but it was a good theory. You know, it was a pretty fun one. Then, there's, of course, there's Squall is dead. That's also been said that he was not dead, but it wasn't a dying dream, you know. But it made sense to be one because it does go in a very nonsensical route. And you could just adopt it as your own or not. You know, it's all a matter of opinion, really. And that's what theory is. It's, you know, proven or unproven, it's still just an opinion and it's fun to have, fun to think about, and fun to go on about. So, yeah, hopefully you guys enjoyed that, if nothing else. You know, and uh, to get buried alive, like and subscribe. And get notified to be revived next time. Die, everybody.